in Wonderland podcast. So this is a place for you to open your mind, let your sense of wonder, imagination, and and most importantly, your curiosity loose. So I'm your host, Georgia Ellis, and today I'm joined with award-winning author, Lillian Grace. And Lillian is, her books are actually really thought-provoking and they contain stories of conscious living. And what I love about her books, because I have read them, is that they contain messages not just for adults, they're actually for the whole family. So welcome, Lillian. Thanks, Georgia. And how are you today? I'm very well, thank you. I've actually just come from a, a meeting with a client. I also do a bit of editing and I'm helping someone who's got a message for children, for girls, an empowering girls' message picture book that she's writing. So just been doing that. Very fulfilling, hey? Yeah. So I've got a question that I ask all of my podcast guests and the podcast is called Alice in Wonderland. So it has the theme of Alice in Wonderland. So if, if I was a seven-year-old girl and I bumped into you in, in Wonderland and I said, Lillian, what is it that you do? How would you respond to that? How would you respond to that? to me as a child. And now I know you're going to nail this question because you write for children. (laughs) So that's one of your skills. So how would you respond to that question? Well, I would say that I create worlds. I create imaginary worlds through story. And I also, for myself and, and help other people to deliberately create the world that we're living in by living really consciously and, and creatively. Yeah. that's it in a nutshell yeah so that's good so a, a young child would go yeah creating worlds because that's what we did as kids wasn't it we always were creating worlds and we lost that sense of ability to do that now I know um, I've read a number of your books and I love your writing style and you're right what you do always has a conscious message in it a message for us to sort of think a little bit deeper so First of all, what got you into this space? Why, why are you doing this? Okay, so the history of the story is that for me as a child, I was, um, when, when I was very little, I was always writing and I loved writing and creating and imaginary stories and things like that. And when I was about 11, I joined a creative writing club and one of the exercises we were asked to do was to write a list of words that we liked and a list of words that we didn't like. And that innocent little exercise planted a seed in my mind that our words have the power to influence our feelings and state of mind. Because I noticed there were words I liked, like love and friend and earth and river, and the words I didn't like, like war and fear and disgust, or, you know, those other words, they had different um, energy around them. And then as a teenager, I started to read my mother's books, and she had books about the power of the mind and the power of our word. Because mum had been through the Holocaust, she'd had a very traumatic Uh, beginning to life and so she had lots of questions of life and a lot of very interesting books and as I read these books I started to read that we can deliberately like 
the things that we say, whether aloud or silently or in writing, we can actually influence our reality, our experience of life. And I thought that was amazing and fabulous. And, and I was drawn more and more to those ideas. And that's when I heard of Bob Proctor as a young adult, you know, learning about his material and, and other, other people like that. And, and then I guess what happened was that I had my own children as well. So there was a collision between being a parent and wanting to give empowering ideas to your children and being someone who's engaged in personal growth and loves a lot of these inspiring ideas and wanting to get them to my children, you know. And I'm watching my, my son when he was nine, reading Harry Potter books and wearing the cloak and, the, you know, with his friends and the wand and, you know, all that sort of stuff. And I'm thinking, wow, what if these kids knew they could do magic for real? Mm. That was the birth of the first book, The Mastery Club, because it was to take our ideas about power of the mind and to live really consciously and creatively and responsibly and put it into a story, a fictional story for kids. And I love The Mastery Club. I, I read that and um, I got inspired, but it actually gave me lots of ideas and I really enjoyed it. And I read that years ago. And um, for those, for our listeners, if you do have young kids, it's sort of targeted at primary school age, right? Is that correct? Around about that age? I was thinking kind of nine to 15, actually, when I wrote yeah. it. Um, yeah. And of course, it's definitely targeted, gone much wider than that. People reading it to four-year-olds and people in their 80s reading it and loving it. So, yeah, well, that's the beauty of story, right? It doesn't matter how old you are. You can, you can actually um, learn something from it, which I did. And I've given it to my nephews, gifts and giving them to, and they, they, he loved it, absolutely loved the story behind it. So what, what do you think is the, the catalyst for getting this, these conscious principles into a fictional story? So how, do you, how are you finding you're able to intertwine these really powerful principles and I think I'm going to answer my own question, but I'm going to let you answer it. Because <laughs> as I'm asking, I'm going, I think I know how you do this. But oh, well, I'm actually interested to know what you think. <laughs> yeah, you, you go first. What, what do you think? So I think it's really, really interesting. So you've got these principles and you need to create a story around it. But the thing is, they're real life. These, these aren't make-believe magic fairy tales. So the ability to create a story about that must come easier because it's actually truth intertwined with the fiction. Mm, okay. So what's interesting about all this is that what I observed was that there's fantasy literature and fiction for kids out there. And then there's your reality fiction. So in fantasy fiction, you've got like the Harry Potter stories where a kid discovers he's actually the son of wizards and he goes to a school for witches and wizards or you've got a character walking across a forest, through a forest who finds a dragon's egg and takes it home and raises the dragon. You know, like that's the kind of fantasy stuff. And no child today is going to have either of those experiences, you know, exactly. So they'll love, they'll be wonderful stories for imaginative um, richness and so forth, but they're not as relatable at some level, you know, mm. and then you've got your reality stories of kids who've escaped war and war-torn countries and refugees and drug addiction and, you know, all that sort of stuff. And that can be pretty confronting and stuff as well. So what I was interested was coming into the middle ground and bringing some of the magic into reality. So talking about ordinary everyday people, I didn't want murderers or witches or I wanted just ordinary everyday people and how they can create magic in their lives you know and then and then it's just as simple as finding the 
the principles that to me seemed important and the, the strategies and tools and things and working them into the story. So when I started the Mastery Club, I knew that there would be a child with an interest in magic and there would be a child who'd been brought up by parents who, do, who did sort of mastermind groups and things like that. They would come together and this mastermind kind of child would lead the other child and her friends in the process of understanding some of these principles and what's the best way to apply it. They each have to set some sort of goal and then through the course of the story, achieve the goal and, and learn about the principles and the skills and strategies and whatever along the way. So that was how the Mastery Club got going. Yeah. And then you followed on from the Mastery Club and I haven't read this one. Um, what was the book after the Mastery Club that was part two to that? Yes, The, the Hidden Order is the That's sequel right. to the Mastery Club. And this one is quite a lot deeper and grittier it's the the concept of the, of the hidden order is or the 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 idea i'm playing with in this book is that the world looks like it's unfair and cruel and there's all this sort of stuff going on we talk about dysfunctional families and you know just wherever you turn around and point there's some sort of trouble or terror or something going on in the world so it all looks a mess but this particular book says that it's not a mess there is actually a hidden order at work if you understand the laws and the principles that are at work. And that fascinated me. I wanted to understand that. So that book was a big journey in diving deeper into the ideas in the Mastery Club, unpacking it in much more detail. So also looking at what goes wrong when we set goals, because the Mastery Club is about goals, but at a more superficial level. And the hidden order goes into all the darker or the more difficult side of goal setting and then also this whole business of um laws behind the order in the universe yeah okay cool i love that because um just before i got on to do this podcast with you i'm creating a a uh, a workshop and a program to help people understand some of the immutable uh, universal laws so sounds like i need to get a hold of your book i might get some ideas from it <laughs> yeah. well this is why you and i clicked isn't it that we both have this really strong respect for and value of um, universal laws and fascination with it really yeah and they are fascinating and what I love about them is that you know people can can say no they don't exist and they don't believe in them or whatever it might be but their life is being dictated by them and you can see it happening everywhere when you really understand the laws that are, are governing the, the, the world we're living in and I love that it's actually called the hidden order because there is it's it's order and if you can learn how to be a, consciously be a part of that can't you yeah. yeah. And instead of being a victim to this hidden order, you can actually go with that hidden order. So, yes. yeah, we could sit here and have a whole conversation about those. We could, we could, <laughs> and look, you know, while we're, while we're talking about the hidden order, um, I've offered a, a special deal on that book to my, um, you know, the people who are signed up for my newsletter in that month before Christmas, uh, which was half price on the hidden order. And I'm happy to honour that for your your the listeners because they are often going to be people who value these yeah. laws as well anyone who's interested in buying a copy of um the hidden order half price half price oh very nice so they'll have to um jump onto your jump onto your website and um and is it still under the the mastery club um the masteryclub.com will get you there but the 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 main website name that i'm using now domain name whatever you call it is lilyungrace.com so under my name yeah, beautiful. So I want to revert back to something that you said a little earlier around, you know, why you got into this and how you started to understand that, you know, our words 
and our thoughts could actually impact the world around us. And when you're, have you, have you seen in any of your writing and any of your work, because you're dealing with words constantly, you're writing them. And I'm, I'm sure in your head, you're saying these things that has, has story ever started to show up in your life? So the mastery club, you had kids at that stage. Could you see it starting to unfold there, the hidden order? And you've written a number of other books. Has there any, any been any life imitating art? Well, it's funny you should ask that, George, <laughs> because I'm still recovering from a major experience of life imitating art that's been really rather wonderful in my life. So you want me to unfold that story? Why not? Why not? We're here to, we're here to go down rabbit holes, so let's go down this rabbit hole. All right. Well, this is a fascinating rabbit hole. So in spring of 2016, I was teaching a creative writing class for CAE. Oh, no, not creative writing, a novel writing class for CAE. And I just thought, well, while they're working on their novel, I will work on one of my novels as well. And so I pulled out this idea I'd been just toying with for about eight years, which was called Wanted Greener Grass. And it's about a couple whose marriage is a bit flat and unfulfilling and what they do about it. So I wrote my book and I finished writing it by the end of November 2016. And a week later, a new man came into my life. Now, I was not looking for anyone at all. I was, that month, which was December 2016, I celebrated my 29th anniversary with my much-loved partner and father of my three children, and who, who's also my business partner, the, the person who does all my website and tech support and prepares my books for you know, printing and all that sort of stuff. So, so I definitely was not looking for anyone. And while um, I wasn't as fulfilled, as I would have liked to be in that relationship. You know, they were mainly because that we wanted different things out of life. You know, I wanted a lot more adventure and I, want, I dance and he doesn't. I would have loved to dance with my partner, my husband rather than other men, you know, and, um, and I wanted to more theater and more travel. And, you know, I wanted just more richness. And he was prepared, really wanting just a very quiet life and to go into semi-retirement and just read and go for a swim watch TV, you know, that kind of thing. So we were increasingly just out of sync with each other, with what we wanted. And especially, I think, because our kids had were now leaving the nest. So I was at that place where I was going, well, I've devoted all these years to my children. They're gone now. You know, I want to, I want to spread my wings and experience the world. And he was, he's a bit older than me, and he was in that moving, you know, slowing down sort of space. So when I met this new man who I actually met dancing, um, it was very unsettling, especially because I started to have this little voice saying to me, you can have a life with this man. And when I first heard, I was like, be quiet, go away. I'm not leaving my partner for anything, you know, but this voice persisted and we were having amazing conversations and, you know, all this sort of thing. Anyway, um, six weeks into meeting him, I found myself facing the exact same dilemma that my main character Mia faces in the Wanted Greener Grass novel. And so, you know, intense, you know, inner like reflection and, and introspection. I saw three counsellors, an astrologer, you know, I just, just so much. I listened to my body, my head, my heart, my, you know, like my intuition, everything. And my conclusion was that actually it was time for me to complete my journey with my long-term partner and have a new journey, a new adventure, a new set of lessons. 
So very much as Joseph Campbell talks about the um, hero's journey, you know, the call to adventure had occurred for me <laughs> loud and clear and I said yes. So then went through a process of completing with my partner and explaining all to the children and all of that. And he was amazing. My, my ex-partner was amazing, amazing in his ability to accept and understand, even though he was very grief-stricken as well. Mm -hmm. And, um, and then moved on. And then there was, in terms of life imitating art, there was so many bizarre little things. I mean, not only was it that six week, same issue that I, I was dealing with, but there were things like in the novel, I give Mia and her husband, John, a little white yappy dog. And I've never liked little white yappy dogs. And this new man has two of them, you know? So I now have two of these little white dogs that I now love, you know? <laughs> and, and there've just been so many things, so many things markers of destiny you could say so now that that's happened in your your life you have um life's imitated art in a big massive way what's your next novel going to be about <laughs> <laughs> well it's funny you should ask that because actually just before i started writing want to greener grass i was working on a non-fiction book about affairs about relationships and affairs that is called the conscious affair Mm -hmm. And the reason I was writing it was because in all those years that I went dancing and my partner didn't, I had a very close relationship with another dancer. And while he was interested in having a relationship with me, I had always just known that he was not really the right one for me, even though we had a really lovely, warm connection, you know, and we danced together for 16 years. And when he finally kind of accepted that I was never going to leave my partner for him, that, it, you know, was not going to happen he had another girlfriend and pretty much told her not to interfere in our dance relationship you know and so we would be at dancing the three of us together with him sitting in the middle and she and i on either side of him and we would ne negotiate over his head who had which dance you know it was quite funny and so that's when because of that the intensity of that relationship i was very open about it with my partner and um, because I just didn't want secrets, I didn't want lies, I just knew I'm terrible at lying, everyone would know I'd go red and, you know, stammer. <laughs> and I just like, this is not a path for me, I couldn't do that. So I would be very open about how I felt about him and everything that was happening. And while it wasn't easy for my partner, it made things easier in general. So I started to write a book about that, about that experience. And then I kind of hit a wall with it and it was just stopped. And I put it aside and then taught, taught that novel writing class, wrote Greener Grass and met my, the man who has become my husband and then understood why the other book got stopped. It's because I hadn't finished living out that journey, that experience. So now that I've finished living it out, so to speak, I am thinking again about going in and finishing that book. Yeah, so this is a this is a turnaround where um, art's imitating life this time. I've got to get those <laughs> things around the right way, but yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Have a look. Yeah. I've always got multiple ideas, so different things. I've, there's a musical I'd like to write. Actually, I've got an idea for a musical, and there's more novels for kids, for adults. You know, all sorts of stuff. So, yeah. mm. I just think it's it's really powerful in what you're what you're saying there. Like you you are writing a novel and it started to become your reality now based on I, and I know you and I have similar understandings on on how what we write and what we say and what we get emotionally involved with can turn up in our life so you think of though any of our listeners out there who maybe um, things aren't going the way that they would like them to go in their life perhaps mm -hmm. they could write 
a new story for themselves, <laughs> like you did, right? Yeah. Totally. Even though it wasn't directly about you, it was somebody else. But I think yeah. potentially you were really getting into the character and, you know, it became you. Yeah. Yeah. So on, that, on that note, I, I had somebody, a dear friend of mine many years ago who um, was going through a terrible, I'm not going to say too much about it because it's personal, yeah. he was going through a very... Um, a very terrible time in his life. And I remember saying to him, what I want you to do is just go and sit down and write the final chapter in your life today. Mm -hmm. And so he wrote out the things that he wanted to happen in his life. Mm -hmm. And over a period of time, it all became his reality. Yeah. Yeah. So there you go. What you're, what you've done is powerful. So that's why I asked you, what's your next book? You know, um, Lillian Grace becomes a multimillionaire if that's what you want. Um, <laughs> well, well, what is it? <laughs> yeah, no, look, it's very funny actually because I had a conversation with um, Dr. Rosemary McCallum, who's a doctor of metaphysics, about this particular book, about the Greener Grass book. And I said to her, did that all happen because I wrote that book, you know? And she said, no, darling, <laughs> that all, you, you wrote the book because it was already happening, you know, like you, you were already processing and working toward and, and but I had been thinking, you know, that I think I'm going to write a book about a writer who just lands the big time, you know, and just <laughs> everything sells, you know, a bestseller, blah, 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 so that I could live that one. So that one's still coming. But in the meantime, I did actually write another novel for you called Quest for Riches, mm -hmm. which is my, my foot in the door, you know, toward that, in that new direction of prosperity, wealth, abundance. So, yeah. so, that, um, so talk to us a little bit about this, this new book, because um, first of all, what was the driving force behind this, the quest for riches? Well, this one it was actually conceived by someone else. So a woman called Camilla Mendoza, who's a business coach, had read the Mastery Club and she contacted me just out of the blue one day on Skype, you know, and said, um, would you, I'm interested in you writing a novel that teaches the principles that um, she teaches in workshop because she had a program, a business called Money Mastery for Teens. So you can see the synergy already. There I am with the Mastery Club, which is designed for teens, that sort of thing. And she's got Money Mastery for Teens. So we had all this great synergy. And she wanted to, for me to write a novel that would take the ideas that she teaches in the workshop. And the really interesting idea there was most of us are familiar with the idea of the four main personality types, you know, the old Greek, the, the, the um, now I'm going blank on all of the melancholic and choleric and sanguine and so forth, right? And so they have an application that relates to money, how we are with money. So she had these four money personalities that she described in the work that she does with kids. So she wanted me to write a novel about these four, illustrating these four personality types. And the main outcome was to teach money management skills kind of for teenagers especially driving home the importance of saving and to be very aware of credit you know some of those really basic things and um, so we decided together that we would have these students go on a trip to India they'd be offered a school excursion to India because that's something that so many secondary schools are doing these days and how would then therefore would they each respond so which of these four teenagers would save for the trip themselves like take responsibility who would it just expect parents to pay who would assume they can't even afford to go you know like so these four personalities are represented in how they you know get to the point of being able to go to india in the first part of the book and then in the middle part 
they go to India, presented with all those extremes of wealth and poverty and spirituality and, you know, like just all that intense experience that India is. And then the third part of the book, they come home and each of the four families is going through some sort of financial crisis because the book is about dealing with financial issues. So then we visit each of those four families and, and there's a financial mentor and, you know, so they, they all learn lessons about, about money and, and prosperity. What a brilliant, I'm going to say concept here because I've, I've got a background in finance. So I worked in banking for 22 years. And one of the things that you, you notice when you're in that industry is that a lot of people don't have the skill sets around money. Mm. We're, we're, we're taught the economics of adding and subtracting and we're taught, taught a little bit about, sorry, economics as well, but we're not taught how to earn money. We're not taught how to save money. We're not taught any of those sort of things when we're going through school, when we should be taught those things. So what a brilliant book for people to... For even some adults, I think, would need this. I'm whispering here. So, so if you're on here and you're an adult and you want to understand money, maybe jump on and get yourself a copy of the book. Um, so, yeah, there's, there's not a lot teaching us how we can earn money, how we can respect money and, and how we can actually, you know, get the things that we want in life because money, uh, money has, we, some of us even have, unfortunately, bad or negative connotations and beliefs around money because growing up we may have heard stories that money's bad, money's evil, whatever it might be, but money is just energy. And once we understand the concept behind that and how to actually utilise and master money mastery, um, life becomes a, a lot easier for us all, doesn't it? Yes, yes. Well, it's, it's essential, really. <laughs> it is. Well, and, and that's what humanity has designed a a form of trade and it happens to be money um so that's what we have to trade services goods and so forth there is money involved and you can't escape it in the modern world so knowing how to make that work best for you is something that we all need to have and i think it's brilliant so um if you if anyone's going onto your website to order the hidden order book maybe put this one in the cart as well <laughs> yeah i mean actually they're all four of them are really good the mastery book the hidden order green grass now i know you've you've done some work um you've done some work writing about some of some really influential children's books around really influential people in society not now not everyone are going not everyone's going to know these people so you've written a book about uh de martini john de martini and don tolman so Share with us how these came about. So how did those books come about? And what, what are they about? So Dr. John Martini is an extraordinary mind, just an extraordinary mind. And he is, was one of the big influences for me with writing The Mastery Club and with all the work that I've done in the study into universal laws. So I had heard him speak and attended his programs and all of that a few times. And actually, how it all came to pass was that when I was writing The Mastery Club, I, he spoke at a conference I was attending and I got into his book signing queue and said, hey, I'm writing a book for kids that teaches some of these same laws and principles. When I finish, would you read it? And he blew me away by saying yes. So I got the email address of his PA, took that home, and I, I sort of said, boldly said, I'll have it to you in three months, even though I've only, I'd only started writing. So I went home and like, wrote like crazy. 
And three months, and I think 10 days later, I emailed him this manuscript. And then my family and I went away on holidays and I kind of forgot about it. I thought he's so busy. He travels the, teaching around the world some 300 days of the year or something at the time. And so I won't hear from him for ages. When I got back, there was an email saying, congratulations, bravo. This is what came to me as I read your lovely book. And he'd written the forward. So he'd volunteered the forward for the Mastery Club. So that was just so touching and so extraordinary for me. And so because I then had his email, you know, the connection with him directly, I emailed him back one morning and said, I've written a children's picture book about your life because it's so extraordinary. And do I have your permission to publish it? And so I sent him the text of the story and he wrote straight back and said, yes. So at the time I was just leading into the, the printing, the publishing of the Mastery Club. So it had to kind of wait. But once that was all underway, then, you know, this, this book came out and someone else, I had actually um, a mentor, very influenced by Born Rich kind of stuff by John Canary was his personal mentor. And he was supporting me through the process. And he'd actually said to me that he had a vision for what he called the champion series, which would be children's picture books about modern day leaders who overcame an obstacle or followed through on some dream. And I had said to him, oh, well, I've written one, you know, it, it's, it's called The Boy Who Barked, it's about Dr. John Martini." And so he, um, he said, well, let's do it together. So that was the genesis of the champion series in these children's picture books. So The Boy Who Barked about John's, Dr. Martini's story. If you know his story, you'll know why, why it's got that title. And then the other one is about Don Tolman, who's a health educator. And I'd also heard him speak, been to a couple of his public lectures and loved his message because he's basically telling people very common sense stuff about diet, about eating whole foods and, um, and avoiding drugs and, and using fasting and whole foods to heal and fresh air and water and exercise and love and having some passion in your life, you know, things like that. And he had a very fascinating journey whereby he came across a recipe in nature that makes people really strong and healthy and mentally sharp. And um, his, he'd spent 17 years from the age of eight on a quest to find this recipe. So again, fantastic story. And I said to him, listen, I've written this book about Dr. Martini. I'd love to do one about you. And he said, yes. And so I went away and wrote that book. And there we ended up with the boy who found his pulse because pulse is the name of this recipe that he, you know, in nature. So, yeah. Wow. That's, that's um, so good that you've been able to use your skills in so many different ways. And what I want to do while you've been talking, I, it made me think I want to actually sort of change direction slightly here because another yeah. thing, you're not just a writer, you teach people how to write. So we could have listeners, and I'm sure we do have listeners who have this secret dream to write a book one day, um, or maybe they've started, a got a manuscript in a drawer somewhere or in a cupboard somewhere that they've just done nothing with. What, what are some of the, are there, is there any advice or any sort of tips or anything or even your own journey around how would somebody bring this this dream, this goal to life and what are, what are some things that they could do and potentially maybe there's something, a way you could help them? Sure. Look, the first bottom line thing is to start writing. So if it's an idea that they've been nurturing for a period of time to actually do, some, you know, sit down, paper on pen or fingers on keyboard or whatever it is and just start to get it down. Um, that's a very broad question. So, you know, are there, is it a, a non-fiction book? Is it a fiction book? One of the things that the woman I'm working with at the moment who's writing a, a picture book, 
Um, what I tend to have, the people who tend to come to me for help ed with editing, you know, with, with writing their, their book, is they tend to be people with a message who have no background, no experience with writing. And so because everybody these days has access to a computer, to a printer, and to print on demand services, so that the market is being flooded now with self-published authors because so many people can produce a book, all the barriers to publication have just absolutely dissolved. But the standard is dropping dramatically as well because one of the things here is that just because we can walk or swim doesn't mean we're an Olympic you know, athlete. And just because we can talk and write an email doesn't actually make us a writer because th that would be to, to insult the people who spend ages on those things, training and, you know, developing skill over a long period of time. So there's actually an art and a craft to the process of writing. And a lot of the people who come to me have an idea, a lovely idea, but their writing skills might be still back in primary school you know, or, or something like that. They're just, where, that's where mine would be. I'm well, absolutely you know, like, Whether it's grammar or, or, or whether it's just expression or whether their thinking isn't clear or whatever. So the kinds of things I do with them is to clarify ideas, you know, um, clarify expression of the ideas and always in service of how to make it more impactful. So there's a principle in the creative writing world you might say which is um, a little adage called show don't tell and what it boils down to is that rather than saying she was excited which is just a fact and it's very bland and it just tells the reader it just dumps this fact in our laps you show it and so you would say something like her eyes were shining and she was leaning forward hanging on to every word I said you know so that shows excitement without having to use the word excited without having to tell us what it is it shows it you know and that's one of the biggest um breakthroughs for a beginner writer i think when they can take their writing out of just telling everything into showing it because then you are moving into story and even if you're not writing fiction you we we do best when we communicate our message through story, through anecdotes and, and, and images and things like that, rather than just as a, a set of static kind of facts and, and information. So that's a, one little tip. I like that tip. But you made me think, because when, when you were writing your book, you um, started off with the Mastery Club. I think you mentioned that you were a mum at the time. Yes. Right? So I'm not saying you're not a mum now. Sorry, the kids were at home, I should say. You still yes. are a mum. So how did you make time to do this with the busy life of looking after kids? Because I know a lot of people, oh, I've got this book, oh, I've got something I want to do, and regardless whether it's a book, I just don't have time. So how did you carve that out in your day? I was very fortunate in a way in that my kids were home educated. And so I didn't have to do the run to school in the morning, you know, so I could actually disappear into my office between six and nine o'clock or whatever in the morning and leave them to do their own breakfast and sort themselves out and just go into the world of my story. And then again, also with, with uh, writing the Green of Grass book, I was very blessed in that, I think it was menopause, <laughs> but I kept waking up at 3.30 in the morning and I would just wake up wide awake, like cannot go back to sleep. And so I go, okay, put on dressing gown, go into my office and start writing and write from 3.30 in the morning until 7, 8, 9 o'clock or something. So there were these big chunks of time I was throwing at it. But everybody has to work with what they've got, you know. 
if you really want it, if it's really important to you, that's the, that's really the acid test. You will make time for it, you know, because once you start, it should nourish you and feed you so that you want to go, whoops, so that you want to go back to it. It shouldn't feel like a burden, you know, and hard work because then you're probably not doing the right thing for you, you know, or you're not approaching it in the right way or something. You mentioned earlier, um, you mentioned Bob Proctor's name. So being a, a mentor of mine, one of the things that he says, you know, all you need to do if you've got a goal, if you've got something you're doing, you, you'll have the ability to, to find another, you know, 15 minutes a day, half an hour a day. If you've got young kids, um, if you can, get up half an hour earlier and make that your time. That's and right. Whether that's it's right. writing or whether it's whatever it is. And as you said, if it is something that's really important to you, you will, you will make that happen. And you think about all the people who have achieved anything, whether it be writing a book, um, they're all set, they all have the same circumstances as us and they all have 24 hours a day. It's just what they've prioritised within that time. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. And just, just, you know, to pick up on what you were saying about the first 15 minutes or half an hour, whatever, in the morning, it, you know, know thyself. When is your best time or when, how can you manage it? It might be that 15 minutes. It might be or like that early morning time, it might be after they've gone to bed at night, instead of watching one of the sitcoms or whatever that you've been watching, that's writing time, or it might be, you know, you might even start off, there might be some part of your day that is, there's not much happening in, in you know, where you'd usually sit with a coffee and a magazine, you can sit with a notebook and just brainstorm, just to start to get your foot in. But then again, there are other people who actually go and book a weekend away, and they say, right, I'm, this is a writing weekend. I'm not available to anybody. Turn off the phone. And they just write. One of my students from one of the novel writing courses booked two weeks in the Maldives or whatever to, you know, work on her novel. So, you know, there's all sorts of ways of doing it. You That's just, the glorified author's picture that we all have, you know, a cabin in the woods, somewhere in the, some tropical yeah. island, just sitting there with a laptop writing. I mean, we all have that, um, that yeah. vision of, but it's not always like that. Not everyone can afford to take two weeks. No, that's wrong. She was single, you know, she was in a different sort of lifestyle, but, but, you know, there's always something we can do. Yeah. And it, it comes down to prioritising exactly what you said before. It's about if it's something you really want, you'll make it happen. You'll make time for it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So as we, as we finish up this chat, I've loved talking to you about um, all your books and your writing skills and so forth. Based on your journey of where you've been and what you've experienced through not just your books, but your, your life imitating art, if you were to leave our listeners with some form of advice or something just to leave them with something for them to ponder about what would you leave them with what would you like to say to them oh what will I say to them I'm, I'm asked this in so many interviews you know and now I can't remember any of the things I usually would say one of the things that I think my life has really taught me I think probably the most powerful thing that my life has taught me is to trust myself so in terms of the, the writing, the ideas with the Mastery Club and the desire to write that book, it started as a whisper. It was just this very quiet little whisper at the back of, you know, you have this idea, this, when are you going to write the Mastery Club? When are you going to write the Mastery Club? And it was such a whisper. There was no strong arrows and lightning flashes and, you know, anything like that. But when I listened and I started to act on it, it grew stronger. And then the same thing with this new relationship it was a whisper. You could have a life with this man, you know, and I just listened and trusted. And 
just so often in my life, that's what I have found to be a really powerful thing. So I think that trusting, the, about that one as well, we are now living in the country and that was a whisper as well. It was, a, it was out of left field totally. Neither of us had been living in the country or planned to or anything like that. And we just, out of the blue, we'd started looking at houses and we just, out of the blue, went out, came out to Romsey, you know. And the very first day we drove out here and we turned off the car engine and a Billy Joel song was singing. And, um, and the words that we heard were, move to the country. Turn off the ignition and there's the word, move to the country. You know, the engine, you know. And it was just bizarre. And then the second or third house we looked at, which the one I walked in and my heart just opened and we're like, oh, this is it, you know. The people had a blackboard in their kitchen and along the top of the blackboard were the words, you are the author of your life. Can you imagine like the tingles? Like not only am I an author, but that's my principle that I live by, you know. <laughs> uh, this is my house. This is my house for sure. So that whole just trusting the process, taking one step after another. And as you go, you get stronger and clearer messages and confirmations, you know, that this is the right track. Yeah, I love that. So anyone that's listening, that's hearing this little whisper and you've been ignoring it, maybe it's time to pay attention to it and act on it just slightly and see what see what turns up in your life. And I love, and it's true, I can relate to what you said as you start to listen and act on it, it gets stronger and it gains momentum and things speed up. So what, what beautiful advice. So if our listeners would like to get hold of you, you mentioned it earlier though, but if they'd like to get hold of you to order your books or attend any of your writing courses, if you've got any, or reach out to you to help them with some editing for those people who are going, right, that's it. I'm going to go and write my book now. How, what's the best way for them to contact you? Email is good. Um, the, the website is lilianegrace.com. So that's L-I-L-I-A-N-E. And the email is just lilian at lilianegrace.com. So pretty simple and straightforward. And yeah, email's a really good way to reach me. But you'll also find me on Facebook and um, Instagram, Twitter, you know, so you can see all those social places that we're all on places. nowadays forms as well formats as well yeah yeah beautiful so thank you so much for your time and it's been an absolute delight talking to you about uh, about your creations and not only in the written form but in life form as well so thank you so much for sharing your wisdom and your journey and yeah i really encourage people to get on board and um and read a couple of your books and adults i encourage you to read the kids books for yourself or buy them for your kids and read them to your kids. So um, I know they're, they're, they're wonderful books. So thank you so much. Thank you, Georgia. I really appreciate you inviting me to share what I love with your, your followers, your community. Thank you. I really love the energy of Liliane. And what's, uh, what's really great about her is that her books really are great stories for your kids. So if you want to give your kids something to read whether they're in primary school or teenagers something to read that's going to help them in life um, get on board and definitely um, download some of her download purchase some of her books so thank you once again for stopping by um, i love bringing people into your life that perhaps you've never heard of or people who are out there doing amazing things in their life so thank you so much if you like this episode give us a like or a thumbs up or whatever it is on the platform you're um, listening to us to and 
love a review too, just to hear what you're thinking about either this episode or any of our other episodes. Thanks for staying curious with me and I'll see you in the next episode. Today is turning into the most curious adventure I've ever had.